0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. This is episode number 48. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts, and joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher. What's up, dude?
1: I went from having drafted zero Belladros Witherblooms to having drafted two Belladros Witherblooms uh, in the span of like an hour, uh, as we're about to get into.
0: <laughs> indeed, indeed. This week, this is our our typical episode uh, per set. I guess it's not something that we're talking about so much as going through, but uh, we typically try to go through a live draft. This time, it's something like less than live draft or a pseudo live draft. Uh, we, yeah. we, we pre-drafted the deck uh, and what we're gonna do is walk through the 17 lands uh, pool here and and all the all the picks. we're gonna go through the whole draft but uh, this gives us the ability to talk about it in more detail and not worry about the the pick timers. So we're gonna give it a shot if you don't like it let us know in the discord or on the comment section on YouTube or whatever and uh, what? or on Twitter whatever it happens Wait, to be. We have a discord you know it's funny you should mention that because uh, that's actually the first bit of housekeeping we have coming up. That's right we do have a discord it's completely free and uh, open to everybody so jump into that it's a great place to go to talk to us and the rest of our community there Uh, everything draft related everything magic related essentially Uh, we've got a bunch of constructed channels open as well and uh, it's a great place to be so check that out Uh, the link to that's in the episode description as well as on the twitter page and, of course, the show is brought to you by you, the listener, via Patreon. You can check that out at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod if you haven't already. That is the the best place to go to support us directly. It's our basically our only sponsor for the show. And uh, we have five different tiers over there starting at $2 going up to $10 and is a huge help to us. Even just that $2 amount is, is huge. You can get things like stickers, access to the full show notes, custom deck building opportunities with us, access to completely uncut and unedited versions of the show with pre and post show nonsense and a handful of other things. Now that we met our first Patreon goal, of course, the show is now available on YouTube. And you can check out the link to that in the episode description as well. If you are listening to this and uh, want to want to see those videos. All right, Ben, we are going to skip our cracker draft type thing this week. We'll save that for when we get into the draft. So we'll go right into our fairy tibbles here. If you're new to the show, Teferi Tybalt is a section of the show where Ben and I talk about something good, something bad that happened in the last week, and just kind of give you a little insight into what's going on in our lives. So Ben, why don't you kick us off with your Teferi Tibble?
1: Sure. Uh, I'm going to start with my Tybalt. Uh, on the downside of things, it is getting close to the end of the high school school year, which means that my classes have all been kind of losing their minds. I went outside for one of my classes today, did a physics experiment outside with them. They seem to enjoy that, going outside into the outdoors for once. And a lot of them are just getting restless keeping my classes uh you know restrained for the, the last like month or so of the school year is going to be tough but uh any of those teachers that, that i know listen to this podcast let me know if you've got advice on on things to do during the last month of the school year that will prevent your seniors from you know falling asleep in class
0: <laughs> very nice very nice
1: my teferi for the week a bunch of bands that i like released new music uh, which is always exciting so a few of those that I happen to like: Cavetown, Town, Boy Pablo, Dodie, all released albums or EPs. Bleachers, uh, run by Jack Antonoff, who you may know, he's the producer for like pretty much every good pop musician. He he does everything that Taylor Swift does. Lord, but he also has his band Bleachers, and he's actually a New Jersey local. So he writes a lot about New Jersey and his songs. So as a fellow New Jerseyans, we have to support him and his new single is out and it's like a summer jam. It's, it's very uplifting, uh, pretty great stuff. Also a new J Cole album came out, which is pretty good. There, there's some, some hot tracks on there.
0: I'll pretend that I know any of the people that you just mentioned and we'll continue on with the show. <laughs>
1: Fair enough. If you're a fan of any of those, uh, any of those fans, let me know in the discord.
0: So for me, We'll start with my Teferi. There's a lot of really cool stuff in the pipeline here for the Draft Chaff Podcast. I'm very excited for everybody to get to see it all. Keep an eye and an ear out for uh, any updates coming in the next uh, month or so. We got a lot of stuff coming. Also, I'm going to take this section just quickly to mention if you are currently a patron... Keep an eye out on your inbox because we're going to be sending a poll out for some things coming up in in the near future. We want to get your opinions as our biggest supporters, so definitely keep an eye out on your inbox for that. My tibble this week is that my hands have been hurting really badly, and I think it's probably related to just my over extended periods of time using keyboards and mice and, like, not really stretching very well and i also fidget with my my ring uh quite a bit and i think the way that like my my hand you know is like curved like that when i play with my ring and i think that's putting extra strain on my hands i don't know but they hurt really bad i hope it's not carpal tunnel yet because i i fully expect to get that at some point in my life but i hope i'm not getting it now (laughs) it's not yet yeah so we'll see I, i don't know um this has been this has happened uh like in in the past like a few months ago so maybe it's just something that i'm going to have to expect to come and go but I'm hoping it's not anything terribly permanent. Hmm.
1: Yeah, hopefully. You know, I actually thought I had carpal tunnel when we were in high school for a little bit. Oh yeah. When I would when I was playing mallets in the band cuz that's just literally just wrist movement. That's, yeah. that's it. Um, and then I was also like drumming and playing piano a lot more in my free time, which I those that are watching on YouTube can see my my beautiful keyboard behind me. I love this thing. But I don't get as much of a chance to play it. So uh, I think I've, I've decreased in likelihood to get Carpal Tunnel. But I guess it's zero sum between us. So That's enjoy great. the Carpal Tunnel.
0: <laughs> Thanks, man. Much appreciated. <laughs> With that, on to our listener question of the week. This week, we've got a question from Batwheels. Batwheels asks, we know what your favorite cards or type of cards are. We've talked about it a lot on the show. What is your least favorite card or the card that you love to hate?
1: Ooh, fantastic question, Batwheels. Oh, man.
0: Yeah, so we spent some time talking about this before the show. Typically, we answer these, like, kind of live off the cuff, but this is a question that required some forethought, and I had a hard time coming up with any answers to this. I, I feel like I don't really hate any cards. Like, even cards that are, like, just generally bad cards or cards that were stupid when they were printed or cards that I like in a vacuum. Hmm you know, one of the first ones that came to mind was Uro and Uro was terrible in the environment it was printed in, but I love the card. Like I think it's a great, it's just, it's a cool card. And I mean, it does the blue green thing. So I guess it's a little stale at this point. Like, yes, we get it. It draws cards and ramps and whatever, but I still like the card. I, I don't hate it. I just hate the environment that it was in or, or what it was doing in that environment. Same could be said for Oko. Like I kind of hate that, but at the same time, I really like the card. Like I, I like powerful stuff like that. And it's also in my colors, So I'm, I'm cool with it for the most part don't really like the whole like extended stuff that they like straight printed in the legacy like like the walking dead stuff and i think we're getting lord of the rings or is that like a meme or people joking about that
1: it's honestly kind of hard to say at this point i don't think that's confirmed
0: but we're getting a dnd anything could happen <laughs> well at least dnd is a property owned by wizards of the coast who also owns magic so it, that kind of makes sense to me and they fit together well we already Jared kind universe. of yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, not really, but it could be like Forgotten Realms could just be a plane within Magic's multiverse. Who knows? Dude,
1: what if it is? What if Inver- Jace shows up and he's got like a, like one of those like dumb, uh, like old timey D&D wizard top hats? You know,
0: I think that would anger literally everybody. But if <laughs> not, me. <laughs> If anybody's going to show up on a plane and change his outfit to fit with the plane very well, it's going to be Jace. We've seen him as a pirate. We've seen him in a duster on Inistrad. You know, That's he right. wears his normal thingy on on uh, uh, pretty much everywhere else. Yeah, go. yeah, yeah, true. So anyway, I don't know where I was going with that. I, I I liked the the. I didn't actually like the Godzilla stuff they were doing, but I liked the way they handled that far better than just printing new cards into mm-hmm. legacy and and all those other formats because that was a cool way to tie them in without actually affecting what the card does or like yeah. making the it part of, of the card. game really yeah like i don't know it was, it's a little weird i don't think i like that i also feel like i'm obligated to say that i hate anything that can't be countered given that counter spells probably like it's not actually my favorite card but it's up there in the top 10 for sure mm-hmm. so yeah, those those are the cards that I would say are my least favorite.
1: You got me thinking. Um, I I don't remember what the cards do, so I don't I don't think these cases will be applicable. But you got me thinking, like, what if someone is a. Uh... Is do is is doing like a like a pithing needle or a a ruined halo or a Gideon's intervention? One of those effects where you have to name a card, right? Sure. And then, then that name card can't be played or doesn't deal damage or whatever. Uh, and you have to name like like Glenn, or yeah, like, like Rick, <laughs> like one of the one of the Walking Dead dudes. It's like come on, like what? Well, now I have to be involved in it too. Like keep c- c- keep that to yourself.
0: You're breaking my immersion.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. I want to be a wizard, not a. I don't know, whatever they are, zombie hunters. I haven't actually watched Walking Dead. I'm sure it's great.
0: The first few seasons are good.
1: A lot of people seem to really like it. I know there's a kid named Carl, I think. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was thinking about this question, and I was trying to think of cards that... So, cards that I never like on the battlefield, either on my side or the opponent's side. There's some cards that I hate seeing on my opponent's side. Shark Typhoon is an example of that. I cannot stand playing against Shark Typhoon but I also like playing Shark Typhoon. So it it balances out. I'm willing to accept that uh, Shark Typhoon is like, you know, it should be legal. There are some cards, however, that I would never cast and that I also hate seeing on my opponent's side of the battlefield. Let me just r- run you through uh, a, a few of these. The top one that came to my mind for that is Soaring Thought Thief, which uh, obviously doesn't bode well for my, my standard uh, career.
0: <laughs> yeah, not so much.
1: Yeah, uh, I because I refuse to play it and I hate playing against it. It's just they just always have it. It's just so good. It's a really well designed card. Got to admit it. Uh, it single handedly makes the rogues deck tick. But I just hate it. Can't stand it. And then kind of descending in order on that list, Extinction Event. Can't stand that card. Uh, I don't think it's good. Like it's too situational. I get it that it exiles, but like. I'll be playing White Weenie in Historic, and my opponent, I'll be, I'll be like hoping they have Extinction Event because they're just dead no matter what if they have the Extinction Event. It's not that hard to play cards that have different CMCs. <laughs> yeah, Sorry.
0: I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the wipe. alternative though is like an expensive board wipe. I mean, I guess you could see Damnation or 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 Wrath of God as like you know a format yeah. board wipe, but that's yeah. I I don't know. Just like play Languish. It's it's just always good. Like when is. Uh, I don't
1: know, I guess against, against like specifically Kiliad or Lovestruck Beast. Any of the three mana five toughness dudes, but there's not even that many of them, and those are very niche. If you can't deal with those in your black deck, then, I don't know, you have bigger problems. Anyway, okay, that's my extinction event soapbox. Let me climb back down and keep going. Time walk effects, I I don't like time walks very much. I'll play them occasionally in like a very niche deck, but I just you know nothing i just don't think they feel very good to play
0: does that include like mine, mind mindslaver effects
1: mindslaver requires a bit more finesse uh so i'm okay with mindslaver slash um emir like that kind of thing sure i'll I'll go with uh teferi time raveler i did play that one a, a little bit when it was in standard uh and i mean that obviously didn't last very long but i i played like the four color pile when people were just playing like what, what was there like an adventures deck that had that in it? No, that was that wasn't the right time frame, so. was it? What, what what was the the four color to fairy deck that was going around? I don't remember what don't it remember.
0: was, but I was probably playing limited.
1: That's fair. And then last but not least, a uh, shell shield. I was trying to think of cards that just like I never like playing and I never like seeing on my opponent's side. Just shell shield from from Zendikar Rising. Just don't like it. They always have it it always blows you out they always have like the thing with kicker bonus and they always have the shell shield that's a uh, probably the most recent card in a in a in a set that's done this more recently in icoria sudden spinnerets just like except that one i actually like playing with a lot i know you didn't play much Ikoria. it's one green for an instant target creature gets plus1 plus3 until end of turn it gets a reach counter and you untap it which is just great yeah, for one awesome. green that's another one that they just always have but I'll admit, I like playing with that
0: one. <laughs> All right, let's get on to this live draft here. So we're going to walk through the whole draft, uh, starting with our pack one, pick one here. So pack one, pick one, we have, I'm just going to name cards that are in the running for the pick. We're not going to go through every card. I think it's farther far enough along in the format for us to not have to read every single card here. Uh, so cards that are looking interesting here are, uh, we have Flame Scroll Celebrant as a rare. There's an Eliminate in the pack. Karok Wrangler, Quandrix, Pledge Mage, and an introduction to annihilation, but I think that's pretty much where we're at for pack one pick one. Yeah. Type type effects.
1: Oh, our lesson is containment breach.
0: Yes. Well, we we also opened the introduction to annihilation, but yeah.
1: Oh, oh right. Yeah. Sorry. The, the uncommon. We got an uncommon lesson as well. That's containment breach. Uh, There's a other other stuff like Zach mentioned. Grinning Ignis, Cogwork Archivist, Moldering Karak. These are not interesting. So, Flame Skull Celebrant, eliminate. That's kind of all I'm interested in here. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you think?
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, I've not really been super fond of the Flame Scroll Celebrant, even in like decent lore hold decks and such. It just isn't a card that I've been that excited about. So I think I'm just on Eliminate.
1: Yep, the pump effect is real. Uh, we took the Eliminate pretty clean here. By the way, we should mention we did this draft. After we did a second, or er, so, so we did one draft. And we were like, this was okay, but it, it didn't feel very interesting to talk about. We did another draft, which is this one. And we did it literally right before the podcast. So like Zach mentioned earlier, we thought sometimes when we do the live draft, it just feels a little bit rushed. You know, sometimes we we may make a weird pick or something like that because we're trying to get all of our thoughts out and we don't have time. So we thought we could try this. And like he also mentioned, we want your feedback on if this actually works or not. But I mean, we have 17 lands, we have the technology, may as well use it, right?
0: Yeah, so on to pack one, pick two. We see a a Demogoth Woe Eater devouring tendrils and an elemental summoning are basically what we're looking at as far as power level picks. There's a pop quiz, Serpentine Curve, Tome Shredder, but I think I think uh, you know when we were going through this, the devouring tendrils is what really caught our eye. But we were between. Kind of Damagoth Woe Eater and the Devouring Tendrils, I think, at this point.
1: Funnily enough, uh, I-, I didn't see the Tendrils at first. And I was like, ooh, a Woe Eater. Perfect for after I eliminate. And Zach was like, dude, what are you What are you looking at? <laughs> and like, there's another good two-drop removal spell here. Yeah, we took the Tendrils.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're, the, the Woe Eater, you know, maybe we'll... It's early enough that I don't think it's correct to stick to you know a specific college yet you could take the summoning and just keep it in the in the lesson plan and hope to uh that you know that'll help you keep open as well but devouring tendrils is powerful enough that i think that was the correct pick there so pack th- pack one pick three we ended up doing a little bit of a pivot here and and this is kind of an interesting pick because we have a cultivate a professor of symbology and a pest summoning and a quandrix pledge mage uh, as well as a bloom pledge mage i think are the only reasonable cards here we looked at the professor of symbology and and thought you know maybe this is a signal a a pick three professor here because it's one of the best white cards it's up there as probably the best learn card in the format you never really see these come back around ever i don't think i've ever seen one wheel and so we started to speculate maybe this means white's open
1: yeah this says that i mean they're either two fantastic better than this cards or the people to our right much not be that interested in, in the professor of symbology there's also a guiding voice in this pack so you know, two good white cards. There is actually a third white card in this pack. Uh, it's a white card. Uh, it's an uncommon. It says you draw three cards on it. There's some other text on there. I don't know why we didn't take it. What were we thinking?
0: Right. So we did end up taking the professor symbology here, sure. speculating that you know maybe white is open with the guiding voice in the pack and a professor symbology as well. Perhaps that was a signal. Uh, so that's where we were. That's where we were leaning here. Um, otherwise, I think we probably would have been on like pest summoning or the pledge mage. We, we talked about Cultivate a little bit, but I think the other two are probably just where you would rather be at this point in the draft.
1: Oh, we should mention, these files will be available for you to look through as well. Yes, If you wanna follow along with this uh, as we're talking through it, you can, uh, to see like the full packs, because we're kind of not saying every single card, you can access those in in, what, the show notes?
0: Yeah, you can catch that in the episode description. So
1: in uh, pick four here, we actually have a a rare lesson in this pack. It's Confront the Past, the kind of Planeswalker targeted removal spell. There's a Fracture, there's a Tenured Ink Caster, there's a Lash of Malice, Eureka Moment, but Combat Professor is what stuck out to us here. So we just slammed our, well, our Draft Chaff hero. So pretty good follow-up to that is the Combat Professor. I like that this pairs really well with, well, I guess the the other Professor, Professor of Symbology. The Professors play well together. Combat Professor can pump the Professor of Symbology. A 2-1 body on the ground is not impressive. But attacking with 3 power, that's a little more uh, what I'm looking to do.
0: Yeah, and uh, notably, you know, if you're looking at the, the black and green side of things, because our other cards were Devouring Tendrils and Eliminate before we picked up the, the Professor of Symbology. Confront the Past is a fine card, but I don't really take it highly, even with, you know, the fact that it's a lesson. Inkcaster, there's a Tenured inkcaster in the pack as well, which maybe could have made the cut. And there's a Lash of Malice in black as well. But those are the only black cards. And then from a green perspective, we really only have Eureka Moment. That's like the only green card in the pack. So I think Combat Professor was another section here where we're looking at this and seeing, okay, we got past two really solid white cards in a row. There aren't any other white cards in the pack. So that could mean that uh, the person to our right is is drafting white and just happen to have better white cards that they were taking. But, you know, we thought it was uh, a good enough speculation pick, especially given that we aren't giving up a ton to take it. So on to pick five here, we see A Plum the Forbidden, there's an Introduction of Prophecy, a couple of Campuses, uh, that being Prismari and Witherbloom, and then nothing else, of Professor Zumanci and an Unwilling Ingredient, which was what we ended up taking here. In blue, there's an Arcane Subtraction, which I think is a decent pickup, but uh, obviously we're not in blue, so we would have been looking between black, green, or white here still, and Eager first years are the only white card in the pack. So again, maybe somebody to our rights drafting white. It's not one that we are going to see as a signal here, but both Professor of Zumancy and Unwilling Ingredient seem decent. And then there's a Plum the Forbidden, but but I think it's a little early to, to really go in on that. So we ended up taking the Unwilling Ingredient here.
1: If I may bust out a little bit of vector theory, for the first five, six picks or so, you really want to be figuring out your direction of your decks vector and then trying to get it as long as possible in that direction you do have to consider some like expected value picks at some point that's why for example we kind of abandoned green here and we took that i guess kind of risky combat professor given that there were no other white cards in the pack minus some some junkers so taking the combat professor is a a strong vector in the white aggro direction if you will and that pairs well with eliminate this could be a a powerful silver quill aggro deck which is what we were considering with this pick here uh with the unwilling ingredient turns out a 1-1 menace is sometimes just what those silver quill decks want and that adds a better vector to our current potential deck than any of these other ones do for example it's not the best card in the pack the best card in this pack, I don't know. It's kind of rough. Arcane Subtraction, Professor of Zoomancy, maybe. Introduction of Prophecies up there, too. But I think this one goes the most strongly in our direction that we're kind of angling towards, with Professor of Symbology being a very aggressive card as well.
0: Indeed. So on to pick six, we see a Deadly Brew. Uh, Divine Gambit is in the pack. But we also see Expel and Expanded Anatomy. And we kind of just snapped the Expanded Anatomy here. That's Now we've got the, the two Draft Chaff Hero mentions together and mm-hmm. you know you really can't go wrong especially when we're looking at this sort of black white aggro deck that ben was just talking about expanded anatomy slots into that perfectly and we're going to be looking to take more learn cards to make sure we can actually uh cast that
1: look we mentioned in our draft shop hero episode that you don't always want to just go symbology expanded anatomy cast it on symbology swing for four it's not always the best line but it is a line sometimes if your opponent misses a land drop then i mean i'm trying to kill him
0: yeah, and Expanded Anatomy is not terrible on the Unwilling Ingredient either. It it, it sort of yep. forces some in, like awkward blocks from your opponent, and then you can cash in the Unwilling Ingredient anyway. So
1: Yep. Next in pick 7, we've got a Start from Scratch, a Beaming Defiance, Pillar Drop Rescuer, Spirit Summoning, a Promising Dusk Mage, and uh, the pick that we took from this, Owlin Shield Mage. So when I look at this pack, the first thing I notice is that there's not a single blue card in here. And the green cards are... Uh, not ones that I'd ever want to, you know, put in a Magic the Gathering limited deck. There's a Tangle Trap. There's a Spined Karak. These cards are bad. Uh, <laughs> and I'm looking at Allen's Shield Mage here. I mean, this is looking like it could be some kind of slightly evasive black-white deck. Maybe not as aggressive as the, you know, one-drop, two-drop, three-drop, like pump spell kill you. But kind of like the skies, the evasion-y black white deck, with the Owl and Shield Mage, the Unwilling Ingredient with Menace, the Combat Professor with Flying, and then you know, leveraging your expanded anatomy to create awkward blocking scenarios for your opponents. It's kind of this uh decision ripe aggro deck, which I really like playing. Uh, I find those to be a lot of fun to play in limited. So we took the Allen Shield mixture. The spirit summoning is also an option. It's the worst summoning, but the ability to get it off of Professor of Symbology if you don't have a 3-drop, it just fits in the slot. So kind of hoping to wheel that, um, but not super likely.
0: On to pick 8. We were past a Shadewing Laureate, so it's it does look... I mean, Shade Wing Laureate's not really the most impressive Silver Quill card, but you know, it, it's a little bit of a signal saying... People aren't interested in taking some of these Silver Quill cards. There's a Village rights and a Leech Fanatic in the deck as, uh, in the pack as well. But we also see zero blue cards. There is a Prismari Campus, which maybe means something, but uh, doesn't mean a whole lot. Zero green cards. So, you know, it's starting to look like our our swap, our little pivot there, even though it was super early. I don't know that I would necessarily call it a pivot, uh, but our read on on the white cards seems to have been correct. Uh, we'll see where the rest of this draft goes. But, you know, coming back into basically the end of pack one here as far as new cards are concerned uh we're scooping up that Shadewing Laureate.
1: Yep, pairs well with some of the other stuff. Uh, I like this this direction. <laughs> excuse me, that Silver Quill can take where it kind of relies on its flyers. This deck can be weak to early removal. It, you really need to get in some damage early to actually make your Allen Shield Mage good. Allen Shield Mage is not a good blocker. Uh, your 3/3 three, three flying Ward... Pay 3 life you don't want this to be having to jump in front of two twos that end up just getting pumped by the infinite strong combat tricks in this set right so shaving laureate not the best attacker of all time but it does kind of fit the direction of flyers and evasive threats that are awkward to kill because then you end up getting value from her
0: Absolutely. So we'll kind of round through the rest of this pack here. Uh, next up, we picked up an Arrogant Poet. There really wasn't anything else in the pack, an exhilarating Elocution, but nothing else that our deck was really interested in taking here.
1: That was the pack that we opened. The Containment Breach came back, which was kind of interesting. Yeah. I find this one pretty useful to, I mean, the number of Poets Quills that I've blown up with Containment Breach, I mean, I like having it. I think uh, peop- uh there's definitely green dra- drafters at this table. I don't know. I, I take it probably higher than other people do. I, I don't know. I love having a wishboard. I love having flexibility.
0: So on to pick 10, uh, we we did wheel the expel, so we scoop that up here. Um, other cards in the pack still are Leech Fanatic, Tome Shredder, Lorehold Campus, just a couple that we're looking at. There is a moldering Karak in the pack, but not the highest value uh, Witherbloom card, so we scoop up the expel. In to pick 11, uh, we did scoop up Lorehold Campus here, so... But you know what else came back?
1: The white card that says draw three cards on it. I, why didn't we take it here? I, is there a downside to this card that I'm not reading?
0: Um, well, you know, by your philosophy of kill your opponent before they can cast their cards, I guess not.
1: Uh, okay, you know, for, for this same reason that I love, what was the wizard? The Farsight Adept? I loved Farsight Adept so much. I, I would play as many of them as I could get in some of my decks Secret Rendezvous is not far-sighted down. (laughs) This does not work in the same way. This does not add a body to the board. This, uh, I mean, it even costs double white. Like, so you can't even, no, no, no way. It's bad. I remember when I saw Mark Rosewater's like little blog thing, when he says, (laughs) like, he teases the stuff in the upcoming set. He was like, there's going to be a white card that says you draw three cards on it like oh man i wonder what the downside's going to be it turns out it was just the absolute worst downside possible
0: all right rounding out this pack uh we did pick up a fracture here in pick 12 and then a, an eager first year pick 13 um, and then we just kind of scooped up a couple of things we did get a pick 15 pillar drop rescuer which was again a little bit of a signal because that card should be going a little earlier than that maybe we're the only white drafter at the table but you know, we didn't see the spirit summoning um, or the beaming defiance come back, so there definitely is another white drafter. We just, I guess, the the packs broke such that that pillar drop rescuer wasn't high on their list. But I think it's probably us and one other drafter are looking at white cards here.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a flyer which pairs well with the other stuff we've got going on. We've picked up a few cards that trade off early. Maybe that eager first year. Uh, the professor of symbology is a great one to get back with this. And even if maybe our, our like shaving laureate happens to die, we can grab it back too. Uh, I mean, I mean. This format can be slow enough that the Pillar Job Rescuer—it's basically like a Bruno the Fading Light. You know, it just kind of comes in, reanimates a huge thing in your graveyard.
0: Okay, sure. Because we'll because that.
1: if you if you get the Professor Symbology back, then you can go and get another Expanded Anatomy, and then it's it's kind of like you're getting Brazella Voice of Nightmares off of this. It, it, that's what it feels like when you play it, at least.
0: Sure, That has not been my experience, but but sure.
1: Oh god, we have to talk about pack 2, pick 1, don't so, we?
0: So, on to pack 2, pick 1. Here You, we you see, can tell them, you can tell them. Here we see a couple of campuses. There's a Prismari campus, Silverquill campus. There's also a Mage Duel, Pilgrim of the Ages, Specter of the Fens, a Quandrix Cultivator, which is, you know, a pretty decent Uh, Quandrix card. There's also an Aether Helix, but are rare. And by rare, I mean hmm. Mythic Rare, Belladros hmm. Witherbloom. Man. belladros has been a phenomenal card in this format i have very much liked it however we aren't quite in witherbloom at the moment now here's where where i was looking at with this pack because i'll spoil it for you right now i convinced ben to take the witherbloom yes <laughs> i convinced ben to take a belladros witherbloom
1: oh my god i'm never gonna live it down i'm never gonna live it down
0: here's the thing as far as white cards go we're looking at pilgrim of the ages and Spirit Summoning. Not cards that are generally taking soup taken super highly, and we know that we are likely one of two white drafters at the table. We might not wield a Pilgrim, but it really isn't doing a ton for our deck. We don't necessarily care about a three mana 2-1 in an aggro deck. Just not something we're super interested in. Of course, we're not interested in Witherbloom in, a, in, a, in an aggro deck. However, I think the potential ceiling and potential floor of the Witherbloom are higher than both the, the Pilgrim of the Ages. The other options we have here are Spectre of the Fens, which is also not a card that's incredibly useful in an aggro deck. That is it. Those are our only other options, unless we're dipping into green in a different way or taking a campus. So, my thought is that Belladros Witherbloom is a fine upside, fine uh, end like end game, fine top end for a deck that ends up not necessarily being aggro, and my thought was that we could leverage a lot of these flyers we have, Combat Professor, Alan Shieldmage, Pillar Drop Rescuer, Wing Laureate, and then Beladrus Witherbloom and convert to something of a fast start mid range deck that uses Wither- Witherbloom on the top end to actually just kill in the air. But I had to convince Ben of this. This was not an easy thing to get him to take this pick. I'll admit,
1: when you called the Obson Flyers, I was a little more convinced. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, th- this pick spits in the face of vector theory. <laughs> but. I guess if we tried to justify it, the reasoning would have to be that the vector of Belladros Witherbloom is so strong that it justifies inclusion in a deck that is aiming in a different direction. Now, because vectors have length and direction, when you add two vectors that are pointing in opposite directions, they cancel out. They work against each other. And I can think of a pretty tangible way that Belladros Witherbloom would act against this deck's game plan. Imagine you have a starting hand, and it's like three lands. Say a professor of symbology, a shade wing laureate, a combat trick, and Belladro's Witherbloom. And you're like, okay, I have a six hand, all right I have a six card starting hand. But I guess I'm just going to be okay with it. Like, would you just rather that be a land, <laughs> or like anything
0: else? I guess anything else. But if it's a land in an aggro deck, you probably don't want that either. Okay, my, you my, know what I mean. My main th- my main thought was that the the general weakness of these decks because this is a format that tends to go long so f- so frequently it's it's not like oh i hope the deck the game doesn't go long they're going to go long even aggro decks unless you can kill super reliably on turn 5 or 6 or something the games go long, and even five or six is generally pretty late for an aggro deck. So if they're going to go long, if that's a given, you know that to be something that's going to happen, and our deck is not the most aggressive thing in the world right now. It's it's leaning towards aggression, and it is certainly going to be able to do that, but it's not the most aggressive. I still think that the upside of Belladros was higher than anything else in this pack, and that's the biggest part here, is that we're not giving anything up to take it. If there was another combat professor or something, we would have just scooped up the combat professor, but there isn't.
1: Yeah, I mean... Spirit summoning I think would have been the next pick here and the 2 3 or 1 2 punch of like professor of symbology on 2 spirit summoning on 3 that's real like that's drawing you a card
0: getting you a thing in but but we were past the spirit summoning last pack so there's a chance this wheels or we see another one we're never going to see Witherbloom again and like we don't have to play it is my is the other thing like you just take the card
1: yeah yeah i suppose like an aggressive lorehold deck would probably still play velamacus right if it, if it had, like... If it had an like, instance of
0: sorceries, yeah. yeah. I have. I, mean, if, I actually played a Lorehold deck that was relatively aggressive and played Velimachus because it just won games. Like, all you had to do is top deck an enthusiastic study off of the Velimachus, and you're off to the races.
1: I mean, this is this is worse than Velamachus though, right? Probably. Because Velidros the, then wants the game to keep going. This isn't, like, a seven-mana yeah. card that says, the game is ending right now on turn 7. This is saying, well, I'm going to continue to get you incremental value, and I'm a 4-4 four, four flyer, so I guess you can attack with me. But
0: Yeah, in a lot of games, Belladros is going to be a 7-mana 4-4 four, four flyer in this deck. Like The pests generally don't do a whole lot, but against the few decks where you're board stalling and you just can't attack into anything... Having the extra flyer is gonna be beneficial, and then also having the pest come up the board at that point. That's kind of what I was looking at, is that this will pivot your game plan if the game goes long. And it's only a card, it's only one pick that you're not actually giving up much to take. So again, doesn't necessarily make the cut, but I still think it was the best pick here. Fair enough.
1: Uh like, comment, and subscribe if oh you think Shellag is going to It's been so long since you did that. <laughs> I was ready to pull it out. Um, all right. On that to that pack the pack two
0: pick two. <laughs> no, 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 no. For those that haven't known, I
1: gotta talk about it. it's a it's a, a running bit since the early days of the show. Like I, I definitely said it in like episode one, right? Yes. Um, did. I said something along the lines of like, like, comment, and subscribe if you blah 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 blah. Uh, so I haven't said it in a while. Those that are newer listeners might not have heard it, but maybe I'll bring it back every once in a while just to to see if Zach will edit it out or not. Uh, if you never hear this, then that's why. <laughs>
0: All right, pack two, pick two. We got past the dramatic finale, so hey, we read the cards right. Uh, I guess we cut white, black enough, uh, going the opposite direction that that we, you know, we got one of the best cards in the deck. That said, we also see a mage hunter's onslaught and a rise of Exodus in this in this pack, and there's also pest summoning, which we don't really care about, but it's worth noting that it's there. Show of confidence. I don't know. I mean, dramatic finale is just like a windmill slam here, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the one case where Dramatic Finale is bad is when you can't cast it on turn four. If you're playing some kind of three-color deck, like, let's say I made some, uh, like, huge brain, just absolutely absurd splash, uh, say for green. I don't know what you'd ever want to splash in a deck like this, including for green. But And, and you happen to have a forest on, uh, on turn one, then you can't actually cast Dramatic Finale in turn five. So that wouldn't work out very well. But there'd never be a situation like that, right?
0: (laughs) Uh, I can't think of any. All right, on to pick three.
1: (laughs) Again, in pick three, we kind of just got set up here. We read the cards in pack one, and I don't know. This is why I like multicolor sets. You get paid off when you draft properly. Uh, We picked up a channel. (laughs) 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 Uh... (laughs) The channel out just with her plume. I'm kidding. We picked up a closing statement. But channel is in this pack.
0: Yes, there's a channel. There's a closing statement. There's a witherbloom campus. Another pest summoning and a beaming defiance. Uh, a lorehold pledge mage would have been on the radar as well, but you know, closing statement is just fantastic removal. It does the counters thing that you care about in this deck, and mm. uh, it's even pretty cheap uh, at that when when you use it correctly. So you know, pretty much windmill slammed that one as well. Pick four here. We saw uh, an environmental sciences, which is is a card that you know if we are considering the witherbloom splash. Perhaps, you know, you definitely want to scoop up. There's a study break and a guiding voice as well. So some learn cards that we could get here. But we ended up settling on reflective golem. And again, leaning into that, this is another situation where I think, you know, we took the Witherbloom, but but still not letting that define the draft for us. I think if we were really leaning into the Witherbloom thing, you would have scooped up environmental sciences here. But we are still trying to play this deck's strengths. We are trying to strengthen the vector of this deck in the best direction it can go in. And like Ben mentioned, Witherbloom, at this point, kind of pulls the deck into a completely different different direction. And by doing so, just kind of shrinks the overall vector. So we're leaning into the the aggression plan with Witherbloom as a backup, potentially, to make the cut if we don't end up in an, in an aggressive deck and in this case we took reflective golem to try to further that that aggression vector. Mm-hmm.
1: I'll be honest, I think this is the first pick that I regret and uh don't interpret that to mean that I regret that I don't regret the witherbloom pick. That, that <laughs> well, don't worry about that. I think guiding voice may have actually been the pick here over the reflective golem. Just on the fact that we don't have a single pump spell that pairs well with the golem yet. We have the expanded anatomy, so I guess that kind of counts. But I think I would have rather, in hindsight, taken the Guiding Voice over their Golem. It's possible the Golem wheels. It's possible that no other deck is interested in copying instants and sorceries. And, you know, maybe uh, if there's a a Lorehold drafter here, they would take the study break. Or there's a a Faithless Looting in this pack. Or a Fury uh, Calm Snarl. Or even Environmental Sciences. I think the Golem could have potentially come back around. And I think the pick probably was Guiding Voice here. I don't know. How do you feel about this?
0: Yeah, so I mean, I have the benefit of hindsight here and we we know what happens with the rest of this draft. Mm. I think it's tough. I think there are, I think any deck that's going to take the Guiding Voice would also have taken the Reflective Golem. I don't know which order those those would be picked in any deck. Like if you just said you're in a deck that can play these two cards, which of the two are you taking? I think there's still too much missing information. So I'm not sure what other drafters would take here that, when they're not in our seat. But I think taking the Golem is It's easier to build around taking the Golem here than hope the Golem wheels and then have less targets for your Guiding Voice. I mean, the Guiding Voice is going to be good either way, so maybe that was still just the pick. But I like picking up one Golem in these decks that really want to have all these uh, combat tricks and such.
1: Yeah, I guess you could say the Golem changes the angle of our direction by a, by a, a hair, right? It goes in a slightly different direction and adds like a good amount. Because when Golem goes off, it's nuts. You can do some really wacky stuff. I've seen like turn five, six kills with Golem easy. Um, but then again, Guiding Voice I think would have stayed more in our direction. Uh, maybe not have added as much strength. But yeah, I don't know. Like like we said, we know how the draft ends, so hard to say for sure. But this I think I regret. So next up though, we, we got another interesting pick. This is pack uh, sorry pack two pick five. We got past an Academic Probation. That's the rare lesson, the white one. There's also a Defiant Strike. uh, And then honestly, that's it. There's like a Spiteful Squad, but I'm not very high on Spiteful Squad, even uh, in these kind of decks. There's Campus Guide, Reject, Spine Karok, Grinning Ignis. What do you think of Zephyr Boots? I played this in my very first deck of the format, and I trophied with it. And I was like, wow, this card must be great. Uh, That's probably not the right way to analyze this, though.
0: Yeah, it sounds a little results oriented, but uh-huh. I do actually like the card. I think it's pretty solid. I think in a deck where where you're trying to benefit from as many flyers as possible, I think it's pretty good. Also, equipping creatures uh, is, is a good reason for people to, you know, it, it kind of adds a little additional oomph for them to point their removal spells at those. And when you have a dramatic finale, that's something you want to think about. We ended up taking the Defiant Strike here because it pairs well with the golem we just scooped up. And so when you have a one-mana card that's pumping your team and drawing you two cards, you're like, yeah, okay, that seems pretty solid. But I could totally see an argument for taking the Zephyr Boots here. I think it's a phenomenal card, and it does provide a little bit of card advantage that you don't otherwise have in this deck.
1: Yeah, uh, I I will say Zephyr Boots is a little bit of a nonvo, given that I think over half of our creatures at this point already have flying. Very true. um... Very true. I think Academic Probation is also a reasonable pick here. When you learn for Probation, you usually win the game that turn. This card looks bad. It's the one that says, like, choose a non-land card name. Your opponent can't cast spells with that name. Uh, or choose an on land permanent and say next turn it can't uh attacker block, can't activate abilities, all that good stuff. So when you're getting it, you're usually ending the game that turn. Actually, I'd be interested to see the 17 lands data on that. Maybe we'll check it out after the show. But Defiant Strike, I was kind of, I mean, I was riding that Golem high at this point, right? I'm thinking, well, we got the one Golem uh, pick four. Maybe other people are going to be shipping us Golems. When you get a Golem deck and a bunch of Defiant Strikes and and uh, like show of confidence, that, that kind of thing, you start getting a really fun, aggressive start. But again, this was kind of angling us in a stranger direction. Just a little bit off. Mm, I don't know. It probably was the pick, but probation wouldn't have been a bad pickup either.
0: Yeah, I mean, you do have to consider the learned stuff you have. And right now, we don't have very much. We have, like, Professor of Symbology, and I think that's it. So, yep. so you know, eh if we took the probation that doesn't necessarily mean we ever get to play it so i I don't know i kind of like defiant strike but i guess the same could be said about the defiant strike it's still just one card but next we go to pick six we see a plum the forbidden agonizing remorse devastating mastery which i just don't like that's the white wrath uh mastery spell a another expanded anatomy and expel and a Silver Quill Apprentice. And we ended up taking the Apprentice here. We did linger on the Expanded Anatomy and the Expel for a little bit of time, but the thought was we're low on creatures right now. We're low on learn right now. And so the extra anatomy is likely not going to get cast. And in fact, if everything stayed as it is now, we would only ever be able to cast one of them anyway. So we took the Silver Quill Apprentice.
1: Yep. I like how the Apprentice pairs with Flyers. This thing sometimes gets stuck on the ground. It happens. Sometimes it attacks, sometimes it doesn't. But the ability to toss around that plus one, plus O oh, kind of wherever you need to, uh, means that your maybe dorky flyer, your tutu flyer, can end up getting through the thing that was keeping your team back.
0: Magecraft also works well with the golem, so, you know, that's a little added bonus as well. Pick seven, we got past uh, a Stonebinder's Familiar, Woo! Uh, Essence Infusion, also woo! and uh, a Spectre Defense. Uh, in our colors, there's a Quandrix Pledge Mage, which maybe is a signal. I don't know why there's a pick seven Quandrix Pledge Mage going through this late in the draft, but so sad. Spectre the Fens ended up being the pick here. Uh, nothing really competing with it at this point.
1: Yep. Just another flyer to add to the arsenal. And uh, with a deck that has a an aggressive enough start, um, activating that thing can actually win games.
0: Yeah, and in hindsight, that's probably the better top end than the Witherbloom, to be honest. But <laughs>
1: <laughs> Oh, I would rather activate Spectre overcasting Witherbloom any day in this kind of deck. I still want to cast Witherbloom in this format. Haven't done it yet. I think I've cast most of the other Mythics, but uh, I'll get around to her eventually. Next up, we've got uh, pack 2 pick 8. There's an explosive welcome in this pack. All right. I mean, we're already speculating on one top-end splash. I'm not willing to commit to anything else. Biomathematician. The only things in this pack we're really are interested in are either a Lorehold Pledge Mage or a Guiding Voice. I think it's close between these two and given that we are a little light on learn cards uh i was really eyeing that guiding voice man but i think the pledge mage ended up being our pick here just because we wanted to have a few more creatures that we could you know kind of toss around some of this extra power we have ways to put counters we have ways to increase uh, really, just ways to increase power right between the defiant strike uh and uh the expanded anatomy and the silver quill apprentice lorehold pledge mage pairs perfectly well with those so I think it was just a hair better than the Guiding Voice. Guiding Voice is a very strong card. Do not sleep on it. It it costs one, and it's a sorcery, and it's white, and it says 1-1 one, one counter on it, and it looks bad, but I promise it's worth it. We took the pledge, made sure, just because we kind of needed the bodies on the ground.
0: Yeah, the other thought was that go, the next pack is the one we opened, and we know that we should be seeing either a Guiding Voice or a Study Break. Mm-hmm. I believe it was this pack. We have another pack coming down the line at the very least, if it's not the next, uh, where we're expecting to see one of those two learn cards come back from that reflective golem pick. And so I guess, yeah, we have a few more packs before we see that. But we, we're expecting to get a little bit more learn coming down because we know we're likely one of only two drafters that would care about those cards and they were in the same pack. So
1: mm-hmm. that's right. It was a uh, pick four that we saw that. So we got a few to go.
0: So pick nine here, we see a couple of campuses, Prismari and Silverquill to be exact. There's a Spectre of the Fens and a Spirit Summoning. Everything else is outside our colors, so we just scooped up the Spirit Summoning, not really looking to play two Spectre of the Fens in a deck like this.
1: Something I really like about 17 lands is that it shows the cards that are known to be missing. And from the known missing cards, it's obviously hard to say what kind of decks your opponents are building, but you can at least look at overall trends. For example, all the green cards are missing from this pack
0: yeah all basically everything that's missing is quandrix <laughs> which is yep.
1: interesting in pick 10 uh we had some choices there was a revitalize and a show of confidence this was starting to look like a potential show of confidence deck if you go like defiant strike eliminate show of confidence mid combat oh you're getting some value and if there's a reflective golem involved in there then oh you're popping off uh other stuff in here isn't really exciting. There's a Prismari Pledge Mage that came around pretty late uh, and an illustrious historian, but uh, this is the show of confidence pickup for us.
0: 11 There's a beaming defiance, not really a whole lot. The channel's still there, notably, but uh, there's not a whole lot else that that caught our attention. And into 12, so this was the pick with uh, the reflective golem. We see that the guiding voice did get scooped up, but there is still the study break. So we did wheel the study break. Uh, we expected to get one of those back at least. So we happy to see the study break come back. And as far as aggression goes, I think the study break actually goes a little bit further than the guiding voice because you can tap some stuff down on your turn, attack through it, does pretty well with that. And Hmm. Uh, it's it's perfectly serviceable also having to learn there is what we really cared about here pick 13 we scoop up a spiteful squad not really super excited to play that but perhaps it makes the cut and then into 14 and 15 we see a devastating mastery and a reject not not really a whole lot going on there
1: oh you know what i realized um in pick 14 it was there were two cards in that pack devastating mastery and elemental masterpiece you know what we should have done? We should have taken the Masterpiece and main decked it. So I could have discarded it to make a treasure so I could ramp out Belladros Witherbloom.
0: You know, I thought for a second you were going to say something insightful there, but you know what? I'm just going to ignore your gobbledygook and move on to pack three, pick one. In this pack, we see an Environmental Sciences, maybe something we care about. Our rare is a, the, the Prismari uh, Dual Land, so not super exciting there. None of the uncommons are really what we want to be doing. There's a Defiant Strike, but meh. Nah uh, kind of meh. And then, uh, we don't really have any other black, excuse me, black, white cards besides rise of exodus. <laughs> so we ended up not really seeing a whole lot in our colors in this pack, but we did get a card that is perfectly serviceable and one that we're actually pretty excited to play.
1: Yep. No complaints here. Slamming rise of exodus. Uh, it is miles better than detention vortex and ardent dust speaker, uh, our other stuff. Sadly, there's a Rutha in this pack. Uh, Rutha is nuts, but not this time.
0: Well, we took the in- elemental masterpiece, so you know we're just gonna jam the Ruth as well, and
1: <laughs> that's right, that's right. That way we can. No, I can't. I can't <laughs> even work that in anyway. So uh, in pick two, we had a Shine Shadow Snarl, uh, a Flunk Opt, another Reflective Golem, and then some other commons that we weren't particularly interested in. Now this was a tough pick. Snarl, even though it's on color is worse than either flunk or golem in this deck and what ended up being the deciding factor here was we didn't have that many great pump spells for the golem we didn't have any of the ones that we were super excited about and we didn't actually have that guiding voice that would have been so good if we had the second golem so we ended up taking flunk just to shore up our removal the only removal spells we had up to that point were uh, eliminate and expel and uh, the Rise of Exus that we had just picked up. So not super exciting. This deck's kind of looking to kill before it needs to do much else. So a second cheap removal spell like Flunk is uh, is a pretty good pickup here.
0: Yeah, and it's unfortunate the removal situation is actually more that we haven't seen too many of them. The one other removal spell we did see that we would have been excited about was Mage Hunter's Onslaught in pack 2, pick 2. But we took the Dramatic Finale over that because uh, it has the higher ceiling.
1: Because Dramatic Finale. Exactly.
0: In a pick three, we see a couple of good Witherbloom cards. Uh, Witherbloom Command, Blood Researcher, Brackish Trudge, Bayou Groff. There's also Frost Trickster, but all we have here are Silver Quill Campus, Pilgrim of the Ages, and Study Break, really, are the only cards we're super interested in. Uh, we ended up taking the campus here just because, it, you know, it's good to have at least one campus in your decks, and we didn't already have a Silver Quill campus. I could see the argument for taking the, the study break here, but we also, like, our, our lesson plan doesn't have a whole lot going on. We have an expanded anatomy and a spirit summoning, and that's it. And we haven't seen any other summonings wheeling besides spirit summonings, so campus it is.
1: I think the alternate reality version of this draft involves... Leaning a bit more into the learning lessons aspect, which I don't know, might have been the right thing to do from the start, but this all kind of snowballed from not taking that one guiding voice over the golem early on. Would we have a better deck if we'd done that? Maybe, but I like the campus here. It's kind of a uh, kind of hedging our bets, right?
0: Sure. And then into pack three, pick four. We see a Lorehold Pledge Mage, Leech Fanatic, Unwilling Ingredient, another Silver Quill Campus, and Expanded Anatomy, which is what we ended up taking, and uh, happy to scoop that up. Not really close, I don't think. Mm-hmm. The ability
1: to, like, opponents end step, study, break their two creatures, grab an Expanded Anatomy, and then they look at their life total, and they're like, oh, I'm at seven, am I just dead? Uh, <laughs> you, you forgot to mention the rare in this
0: pack, though. Uh, I'm sorry, there's a rare in this pack? <laughs>
1: What are you not interested in, Strixhaven Stadium? Not not down to play a little bit of Quidditch?
0: Look, I have lost to the to the card. I'm not going to say that it doesn't win games, but I don't think we're in the deck to play it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm still not entirely sure what deck wants this. It's like every I don't know a deck that can make exactly ten pests. I, I'm not. I actually every,
0: I lost sure. to it in uh, against a, a lorehold deck, but it was one of the ones Ooh. who went like clever Lumomancer, clever Lumomancer into Stonebinders familiar or something stupid into like a three drop into pump, 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 pump. What do you like? Come at me, bro. You know, and then it's like you're taking so much damage that you can't actually deal with the stadium. And then they were able to stop me from attacking back with study breaks and things like that. So it just snowballed.
1: So what you were saying was they were going to win anyway. And they Basically. just have to have a stadium on board. <laughs> Basically. All right. Well, next pick, uh, this is pick five. These are some blue cards coming around. A Kelpie guide, uh strategic planning, Prismari apprentice, or sorry, a Prismari pledge mage. As for us, the Pillar Drop Rescuer was kind of the only thing we're interested in. Black cards in the pack are crushing disappointment and promising dusk mage. At this point, we're pretty solidly in Silver Quill. There's an enthusiastic study in this pack, and I love enthusiastic study, especially with the Reflective Golem. But I'm not looking to add a color here. We just took the Pillar Drop Rescuer and weren't particularly happy about it.
0: Adds into the Flyers theme though, and I think that's the way that Silver Quill Aggro really wants to do its thing. It's less of a get you dead in four turns deck and more of a I'm gonna just gum up the air as opposed to the ground and you're gonna have to figure out a way to deal with that because there aren't a lot of ways to deal with flyers in this format
1: yeah i would have taken an allen shield mage over pretty much half the cards we've seen in the last sure. like, pack and a half. <laughs> just like this deck really wants like one or two more allen shield mages and then one or two more solid aggressive cards uh in pack three pick six uh at this point we're kind of on rails we've got most of our deck together there was an unwilling ingredient, a professor's warning, and a gift of estates, which we we eyed for a little bit. Two mana, draw three planes. I mean, this isn't the worst thing in the world, but the fact that it only works if an opponent controls more lands than you. Sometimes you just won't get to do anything with this. And also, our deck would rather be playing creatures on the early turns anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean, you talk about the vector theory aspect of this. Gift of Estates is very much in the other direction. It's a card that wants to help you ramp when you're behind, and you don't care about ramping when you're behind on lands in this deck. You just want to play more of your stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. We ended up taking the Professor's Warning because it's a fine combat trick. It pairs decently well with uh, the fact that we're already putting counters on some of our creatures, so we want to make sure those creatures stay alive so they can actually you know, kill the opponent uh it also pairs well with the reflective golem
0: indeed on to pick seven we took a witherbloom campus off of the potential to splash now the only other cards in the pack and again this was a, this was a situation where it was pretty easy to scoop this up because we're not giving anything up we see a the the quandrix vine glimmer snarl the quandrix rare dual land there's a professor's warning and a spiteful squad and that's it so yep. grab the witherbloom campus again Probably not going to play it at this point, and our deck is shaping up to be aggressive enough that I think we don't really want Witherbloom anyway, but still worth taking. Into pick eight, we see Reduce the Memory, Pillar Drop, Rescuer, Specter Defends, another Spirit Summoning, which maybe would have been worth taking here, but with double Expanded Anatomy and not too much Learning going on, we ended up taking a Make Your Mark.
1: I love Make Your Mark. I think this is a really, really cool card. It's a very unique design, and our opponent is already going to be trying to trade off with us. Uh, this just pairs well. You know, one uh, one fun little thing that you can do, you can put make your mark on your opponent's stuff. So if I'm about to, say, eliminate my opponent's creature, you can make your mark it. Sometimes you can even use it in, in, a, in like a goofy way in, in combat, uh, where sometimes you'll just end up targeting your opponent's thing to kind of like, if like their creature is already going to die and you suspect they have a specific pump spell... Uh, and you can use it in a strange way such that you don't get blown out as much. I don't know, it's a really interesting design card. So often I've just found it to be a 1-mana 3-2. That's just how it works. A 1-mana 3-2 flash can only be played during
0: combat. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, basically.
0: On to pick nine, we see a Spectre of the Fens and a Spiteful Squad. We ended up taking the Spectre here. Again, trying to lean into that, that flying thing. We don't really care about the Spiteful Squad too much. We already have one, and we're probably not playing either of these cards here, but you know, kind of just rounding out our deck. Into pick ten, we picked up a pilgrim of the ages, which may be something we want. Other options were Star Pupil and Stone Rise Spirit. Probably could have gone with the Stone Rice Spirit here just to keep the Flyers going and also give the ability to jump something later in the game. But uh, Pilgrim's fine, and it does help get you some of those lands if need be. It also does that whole pivot at the end uh, when you're when you're up against like a longer game deck uh, as it comes back quite easily.
1: In pick 11, we found an Essence Infusion, another Star Pupil, Brackish Trudge Wield. I don't know, man. Honor Troll and Brackish Trudge, the pair of lowly, uncommon three-drops. I love them both. Like, I want them to be happy. I don't think they're they're great, though. The trudge can do work um, in, in a long game if you're grinding out against, like, uh, the mirror match. But uh, we're never getting it back here. We don't have that many ways to gain life at all. We took the essence infusion here. Sometimes, if you go turn one unwilling ingredient, turn two essence infusion... It could actually give your opponent a real headache.
0: Into pick 12, we picked up another Silverquill Campus over nothing. <laughs> and uh, in a 13, a Dusk, promising Dusk Mage. And then we rounded out uh, the rest of pack three with a couple of cards that aren't going to make the cut a thrilling discovery as well as a spiteful squad. So we ended up with a pretty solid little Silverquill deck here, splashing for Witherbloom. <laughs> That's the question. Are we splashing though? No, I don't think so. I actually don't think that it got there. I was I, I was speculating on the potential for our deck to not get very aggressive here, mm-hmm. and uh, it ended up getting there. Like, it, it's mostly there, I would say. I think, um, you know, it's probably just better off, like... Casting Rise of Extus as your top end or using the Spectre of the Fens, as I mentioned before, and just beating down in the air, even though you're not going to be doing it as quickly as, say, a dedicated Lorehold aggro deck with Lumimancers and such you're still going to be able to get through in the air and combat professor is going to enable a lot of weird shenanigans with, uh, with your flyers as well and, and giving other things vigilance and such. So I think probably got there. Belladros ended up not being the flyer we needed or wanted.
1: Yep. Sorry, Belladros, not this time. The question is how do we build this? I mean, I'm immediately going to cut the two spiteful squads. I I just don't like them very much. I think they're pretty bad, Uh, especially because they're not at all. what This type of deck is going to do. They, they sometimes can fit into like the counters thing, and I suppose they're cute with a dramatic finale, given that they're the kind of creature you want to trade off. Yeah. I'd like them more in Best of Three, uh, where you'd get to sideboard them in against like big Quandrix Fractals or something. But in this case, uh, they don't seem to fit the go over the top of your opponent's stuff with Flyers game plan very well.
0: Yeah, I also am not a huge fan of the Pillow Drop Rescuers. We have a couple of decent cards we can get back with them, mostly like... A couple of three drops but we don't have that many two drop creatures and most of them aren't very good we could get back the professor of symbology and the silver quill apprentice as well as the Lorehold pledge mage reflective golem shade wing laureate so we do have a couple of good targets with it maybe we cut one of them but yeah spiteful squads seem like they could be cut maybe one of the specters could be cut i don't really like eager first year that much even though it is a two drop this deck just eh, maybe it'll get there I, I i'm not really sure i think we have better things to do i think i think this deck does better relying on the flyers game plan than it does relying on just general aggression
1: yeah i agree i'm in to cut one of the pillar drop rescuers having multiples is a little bit clunky i suppose and maybe cutting a specter now we have this dramatic finale this card wins games we don't actually have many ways of making like other tokens we don't have a single way of making any inklings we just didn't see a single way to make an inkling this draft did we
0: finale is the only way yeah
1: sad but sometimes that's just how the packs crack, right? I like the number of two drops we have. Uh, I, I want to take a look at what can attack between like turns two and three. So we have an unwilling ingredient. We have a eager first year, professor of symbology, arrogant poet, silver quill apprentice. We only have five things that come down before turn three. I don't know if I want to cut any of them.
0: Yeah, I mean, I could see cutting that, that first essence infusion. That's probably where you might want to start. That doesn't seem to be the best. And we do have a lot of two drops. I don't think that's a problem for a deck like this, but we also have a heavy top end. So, you know, we cut Belladros, we cut maybe one of the pillar drive rescuers, cut the spiteful squads, cut a specter, cut an infusion, and then that puts us at what? How many how many cuts does that get us?
1: I need two cuts right now here. Think me. So so yeah, hold on. You got all that stuff if I counted correctly. Yeah, I I like all that stuff. Um hmm. Hmm. It's tough. I think we need two more cuts. I like the top end Rise of Exus, Pillar Drop, Closing Statement, Alan Shield Mage, Combat Professor, Spectre Defends, Dramatic Finale. That's a, that's a nice top end kind yeah. of looking thing. Uh, are we playing? We're not playing the. Is this a. No, I don't want to do. I don't think I want to go down to 16 lands here. I think there's no. enough reason to hit land five uh, with the Rescuers and the rise Shield Mage and, and Rise of Yeah. Probably just. Man, could it be the Golem? Oh no.
0: But Golem. Fine Strike, off. perhaps.
1: Yeah, I think Defiant Strike is good, specifically with Golem and Lorehold Pledge Mage. I guess it's one of our worst combat tricks, and it's not, you know, it's not great. I guess it's not doing too much for us. Uh, Between that, Professor's Warning and Make Your Mark. Three one-drop combat tricks. We should probably cut one of these, right?
0: Yeah, I guess the question is, do you care more about keeping your stuff alive or just getting them through with value? Because, I mean, everything's good Mm -hmm. with Reflective Golem, I I think it goes without saying, but... I think the other two potentially do more for us than the Professor's Warning does. Like, Defiant Strike at least replaces itself, so, you know, it's a way to get a co- to get an extra card in your hand. Um, the plus one, plus oh is not really something we care about, so I honestly think that it's probably the least effective of them. Whereas Professor's Warning at least lets us, dr- like, keep something alive if need be. Otherwise, we can just do the thing, like, put the counters on things. But it's tough, because... I like that draw a card phrase. I just don't think Defiant Strikes that that great of a card. Again, does work very well with the Golem, but so does Professor's Warning. I don't think it's nuts to cut Expel. I just I think am it... nervous about it because our removal suite is so awful. I mean, where you don't really care about the ground, but if they do happen to plant a flyer, we're going to care about that a lot.
1: If we plant, or if they happen to plant a flyer, though, under what case is it ever attacking us?
0: That's fair, but a lot of the flyers in our deck aren't... I mean, I guess Spectre's probably the best situational... Best... Uh, and, and Combat Professor, best situated flyers because there are a lot of X2 flyers in this format. Um, mm-hmm. that, I'm not worried about the attacking. I'm worried about stopping us from attacking. I guess they do need to tap in the first place, so yeah, there's there's that. Um,
1: so I just don't think Expel fits this game plan very much. But Study we Break don't... and
0: Expel go well together.
1: Oh, that's true. That is a good little little interaction. I don't know. That That is just a two-card interaction, though. I don't know if, if that's really worth it. Um, because at that point, if if we're study breaking, we're probably untapping and casting Expanded Anatomy or a Spirit Summoning, right? At that point, I just don't think we care about expelling their creature unless it's like dire straits. And by that point, we probably already lost.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's a fair assessment. Hmm.
1: So I I count forty one cards now. Uh, I'm I'm looking at this real quick. Is that with um, or without the expel? That's after cutting the expel. So then we need one more cut.
0: Hmm. I'm tempted to just say it. It should be Defiant Strike. Or Eager First Year. I know you don't want to cut another creature, but Eager First yeah. Year is a two-drop we really don't care that much about.
1: It is pretty bad. Is it nuts to cut one land? Defiant Strike Cycles?
0: Probably not. I don't know. I mean, I'm just nervous about the Extus and hitting all those five drops, but I guess closing statement's not really a five-drop, and Alan Shield Mage is the only one we super care about.
1: And this is a pretty aggressive deck. There's also a Pilgrim of the Ages, which can go and get a land to, to guarantee the That's land true. drop. That's true. Yeah, I think maybe it's 16's probably. Correct. Yeah, I think I'm okay cutting a planes from this deck. Uh, we we do have two campuses. So we have. Oh, that's true. Actually, that makes me feel much more comfortable with this. We have 10 white sources and nine black sources in this deck. That's well, the campuses
0: can be awkward, great. too, because we don't really want to tap out on two or three for them. Uh, like, we don't really want the, the ETB tapped land on two or three or even four or five, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think having two is is fine, though. Like, we only have one one one-drop, so just having them in our opening hand would just be pretty good. I think we could probably cut a planes and be pretty happy, right?
0: Yeah, seems reasonable.
1: Yeah, I think this actually is... uh, Man, poor Belladro sitting in the sideboard. I hate to see you there, buddy, but um, imagine if we tried to fit this thing in the main deck. Then our land situation and figure out what we're cutting here would just be even messier, right? so sure
0: yeah no i i I definitely think it didn't get there but worth speculating on so i will play
1: out games with this deck and uh i guess let the discord know how i did i'm not going to spoiler anything you'll you'll find out the day of uh of of the podcast release how i did with this deck um hopefully not a no three this deck looks like it wins some games dramatic finale is a very very strong magic card
0: Definitely. Well, as Ben mentioned, he's going to be showing the the record for this in the Discord. If you're not in the Discord, go ahead and jump into that. The link to it is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And again, if you're interested in supporting the show directly, you can do so at Patreon. Check out patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod for all the details on that. Our next goal there on the Patreon, by the way, I mentioned that we hit our first one. Our next goal will open up the recording channel here so you can listen in as we record live. So if that's something you're interested in, maybe help reach that goal. if you want to reach out to us on social media you can do so by finding me at rannick Alfredian on Twitter. you can find Ben at betafish one and the podcast at Draftchaffpod. you can also email us at draftpod at gmail.com or check out the YouTube channel like I mentioned uh, at the beginning the, the link to that is also in the episode description or just search for draftftchaff we are pretty much the first thing that shows up. That's it for us. thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next week.
1: See ya. So before we go, there was a trend going around on Magic Twitter this last week, uh, and I thought we should address it. The rate yourself honestly as a Magic player trend. Did you see this?
0: I did, yeah. I wondered if you were going to mention this, yeah.
1: Yeah, I thought it might be worth mentioning. So uh, it requires you to rate yourself as a deck builder, deck selector, drafter, opponent's hand reader, gameplay decision maker, work ethic-wise, and mental game-wise. Uh that's a lot of stuff that I just kind of read off at once, but I figure I may as well try to give myself some honest ratings. Um, deck builder, uh, I net deck standard decks. So let's just skip that one. Uh, de- <laughs> deck selector.
0: Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. You net deck standard <laughs> decks, but every other format you tend to do yourself and you're quite good at deck building.
1: Okay. Okay. Fair, fair. So deck deck building, I don't know. Sometimes I like throwing in, uh, an odd, uh, like, curveball standard deck. What am I? I'm probably, like, a 7 out of 10 for a deck
0: builder. Yeah, that's about where I had you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, there is that one standard deck, my 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 brainchild from years past, the green-white seasons past, that would, like, go to toe with, like, Mardu super friends at FNM and just, like, wipe the floor with it. Uh,
0: I mean, I, I can build a deck that's standard playable, I suppose. Um, yeah, I, I'd put you somewhere around a 6 or 7. How, how about you? Uh, I am not a good deck builder. I... Also don't generally like it. I I get kind of bogged down outside of commander. I get bogged down by the the plethora of choices that are available and then just kind of get overwhelmed with decision paralysis and just stop trying. So I would put myself (laughs) at probably like a four. Like I can build decks if I'm forced to. If you hold a gun to my head, I can do it. I've built enough limited decks to know like what makes a deck work and I know how to build control decks. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But, but if you had me build a mid range deck and randomly with like a bunch of cards and standard, I'd probably not build an optimal list or anything like that. So yeah, four, maybe five.
1: You know what we should mention? I, I think uh, it's also the standard environment that's had an effect on this. In current standard, I don't enjoy building decks either because what is there to build? That's like fair. half the cards that I want to build with just get bone crushed on turn two. And then it's like, all right, well
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. I guess we tried. Um at, at rating myself as a like kitchen table magic deck builder, I'm at eleven. I'm just confident yeah, yeah, in that. Yeah. That's why we have the 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 Patreon bonus of like the uh the I build you a deck based on your favorite draft chaff. I love doing that, and I have made tens of of kitchen table decks and just giving them the friends or, or that kind of thing. So uh, that I'm confident in. Uh, how about deck selector? So picking what you're going to play in, a, in like a tournament or a meta.
0: Yeah, that's tough for me to answer because I haven't done enough of this. Like I don't play very many constructed tournaments. We did the one tournament we played that was constructed that was like decent stakes was a GP and we actually selected a pretty solid deck for the for the yeah. the environment. We just ended up washing out because we didn't face any of the decks that we built the deck to beat. We built uh, that deck
1: though, like we, we did, that
0: we should mention, like we get some deck building cred from that alone. I think I, if, if we, if we made day two or something, I would say we did, but <laughs> okay, we didn't. Um, but that said, I'd say probably like, again, middle of the road for me, like a five or six, uh, on deck selection. Like, I think I'm good enough, but I also don't pay enough attention to the meta in general to know what's good or what's bad. Um, doesn't take a whole lot, I think, to, to pick up on that, and maybe that c- catches into the work ethic thing, but yeah, probably five or six. Hmm.
1: I would put myself at like a two or a three, because I have a, a, a Fatal Flaw, uh, an Achilles heel. I'm very well aware of what the best decks are. I keep up to date on the meta at all times. Uh, I've got like bookmarks for all the top meta pages, and I even have a plugin that shows the top meta decks in Standard when I first get an arena. I just choose not to play them. <laughs> i just try to angle and i try to play stuff that i think might beat the best decks or like when, when jund was the best deck in historic for like a year i just refused to play jund i just didn't want to play jund sack i just didn't like playing it uh it was the best deck i would have performed better at my qualifier weekends if i'd been playing jund i just chose not to
0: <laughs> hey that's fair
1: uh, next up is drafting oh man what are we both tens right
0: I would like to say I'm a 10, but I know I'm not like I'm not even close. And I think I saw like some of the people I deemed to be like pretty solid or even some of the best drafters didn't even give themselves 10s. So I don't know if that's like you're being hard on yourself or what, but I don't know. I probably put myself at like in the actual draft portion of, of dr- drafting, I would probably put myself at like a seven. I think
1: people that tend to be good at something, th- the better you are at something, the harsher you are on yourself in regards to that thing, because you're more aware of other people doing it. You're more aware of the technical skills required for it. Um, So I I think it'd be easy for, to to assume that some like top level drafters would just give themselves tens and move on. But I think they're very well aware uh, that they have like, that they're not the best. They know the mistakes they make very easily. Um, So I'm obviously a 10.
0: (laughs) Naturally, naturally.
1: (laughs) I, I would, I would give myself probably uh, closer to like an eight. I do think I'm a good drafter. Um, I have a lot of practice, and it's my favorite thing to do in Magic. So uh, I would say probably like a ten.
0: <laughs> Naturally.
1: <laughs> um, next up is opponents' hand reading.
0: I feel like I'm generally decent at this. I mean, being a control mage tends to help with that kind of thing. You learn to read people's hands. I still yeah. find myself getting like a little spike of like, oh yes, I got there when I'm like they have this and then they have that. Um, yeah. So I wouldn't. I I don't. Again, I don't think I'm a ten or even close to a ten in any of these categories, but I'd probably put myself at like a, a seven or eight on on opponent's hand reading. I think it's generally relatively easy to do that, and so I would assume that means I'm decent at it. Like I don't think it's actually an, a super easy skill, but
1: mm-hmm. uh, I would say constructed I'm probably like a six. Um, I tend to know what's in the format, but I find myself getting got by things decently often uh, just because I don't put as much time or effort into constructing. In Limited, at the beginning of a format, I'm probably like a 4, but by the end of the format, I would say I'm a solid 10. Uh, like By the end of the format, I have memorized every single combat trick, and I know exactly every card they could have at a given time. It's become harder recently now that Magic has printed more one-drop spells that are good uh, because now when an opponent leaves up 2 mana it just like doubles or potentially even more the number of things they could have or the combinations of things sometimes like defiant strike into make your mark. Like what are they going to do? But um, I would say by the end of the format, I'm pretty confident in my ability to say every single card my opponent could have.
0: Yeah. I think that's reasonable. I kind of took an aggregate like average of, all the different situations together but yeah that makes sense
1: uh next up is gameplay decision making
0: uh again i'd say i'm somewhere just above middle of the road i think probably a six or seven on decision making i play control magic as as like for fun (laughs) so like uh that tends to involve a lot more decision making than like a just a generic play my cards and beat you down type of deck not to say that those don't have decision points but i think control decks tend to have more Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah probably a seven or eight six maybe i don't know somewhere in there
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, my true love is mid-range like if you give me a good mid-range deck in a format give me like a siege rhino deck and tell me it's good in the format and i'll just have a blast uh siege rhino requires zero thought to play um (laughs) did, did you build your mana base correctly yes okay then you can play siege rhino on turn four Uh, And then maybe you can flicker on turn five or something. So I would say I tend towards decks that don't require as many decision points. Um, Some people say that like burn or aggro is too easy uh, because it has fewer decision points. I I disagree. I Mm -hmm. I actually think it's it's something like a a parabolic shape from um, like aggressive decks, uh, then mid-range decks, then control decks. I think aggressive decks and control decks have the most decision points. Uh, because you're often asking yourself, when am I trading off? Um, when am I, you know, like ramming one of my cre- one of my two twos into a three three just to get in four extra points of damage because I know that my, my that's my only out to win the game. Um, right.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think aggro and burn decks actually have a lot of decision points that are so niche that a lot of players miss them, but they mm-hmm. they're there nonetheless.
1: And it's easy to see why people say that, right? When your opponent is playing mono red and they go like turn one fervent champion. Turn two robber of the rich, turn three annex. It looks like they just went one, two, three, and there was no thought involved. But exactly. from playing a lot of red and white, like monocolor aggressive decks, the number of decision points that go into that level of fluidity playing, like I have tested every single combination of which one drop do I play first? And then which one am I looking to potentially double spell with on turn two? Like I have that down to a science for for historic mono white, for example. And uh that's just a, a product of me having played the deck so many times. So I would say my decision-making for certain decks is better than others. Uh, probably to, to give myself like an average overall score, probably like a 6 or a 7. Next up, we've got work ethic. Uh, <laughs> what's our work ethic like?
0: Depends. Unlimited, Limited, probably like a 7, 8, somewhere around there for Constructed. Probably like a three or four. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think in general, like it's, it's pretty decent. When we play events that matter, we tend to care about figuring out what should I be doing. Even if you're not playing the best deck in the format, there's still an amount of what decks do I need to beat? And you know, how do I do that? And that kind of stuff. And I mean, we do run a podcast on how to be better at limited and some, well, I don't even know if that's actually a fair thing to say. We run a podcast about limited. So, (laughs) you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's something right. We've got to make show notes and we totally don't only write the show notes the day of the episode. That's never a thing that happens.
1: Okay. I was actually going to say, well, first of all, uh, I I agree. We have a podcast about limited, and if incidentally some people get better because they listen to it, that's on them, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but exactly, uh, I would say like the work ethic between us, as far as like our podcast goes, we average it like I'd say a seven or eight. We put a lot of time and effort into yes, this, which we is, definitely do. Um, uh, now, if it's the day before recording and the, our, our show notes still have a lot of blanks in them. Uh, our 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 work ethic goes up to an eleven because we get that we get that stuff done. <laughs> That's
0: true. We haven't missed an episode yet.
1: no, and I don't think we will. Uh, last but not least, we have mental game. I guess this is I don't know. how is this different than like gameplay decision making? Is this like cracking under pressure or something like that? Is this like bluffing Maybe. and that kind of more of a
0: stamina thing? I, I'm not sure. I actually don't I don't know the answer to that question um. I guess I'd put myself at something similar as far as the decision making goes. Like my mental game, I think is pretty strong. It's like the main reason I play Magic in the first place is because it's mentally stimulating, and I'm a big fan of strategy games in general mm-hmm. and strategy in general outside of games necessarily. Um, so I'd probably put myself at like a seven or eight there as well. Uh, there's definitely a lot to learn there. I mean, you, I don't think you ever are done with that kind of thing. But
1: yeah, that's true. Uh, probably same idea, just because I'm also a little unsure. But now to focus in on bluffing. I'm, I'm gonna put myself as like a solid eight on the bluffing scale, maybe even a nine. Uh, I will, I will. If, it, if we're playing limited, uh, I will attack a two-two into a three-three when there's like exactly one thing I could have, and it's like an uncommon. Like I'll do it every time, unless <laughs> we, we had a whole show about this. Go back we and do. watch the bluffing show if you need some some insight on this. But uh, people should bluff more often, and uh, my, your opponents do not bluff as often as they should be. So. Typically, when your opponents attack, they will have it uh, unless you're playing against me, in which case I don't have it, uh, but you should let me through anyway.